bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. We have a returning guest here. Uh, he is the head coach entering his second year at Friends University, uh, Coach Terry Harrison. Coach, how are you doing? Man, doing great. Uh, we were talking earlier. Our guys are coming back to campus today and tomorrow. So, you know, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And we ain't seen these kids since before Christmas break. So getting them back is, uh, I don't know, it's fun. It's exciting. And, you know, team meet, uh, team meeting starting here at the end of this week and getting ready for uh, off-season strength conditioning. So, you know, it's an exciting time, especially after, a, you know, a really fun fall we had. So uh, doing great. So, so we'll, we'll get to your that strength stuff here in a second because that's I mean we talked that's one of the topics I wanted to hit on but I mean let's talk about your 2022 season because you guys uh, most wins I think in like six or seven years or whatever the stat is um, number I mean top in rushing um, you want to talk about how 2022 went for you guys taking over friends um, from your prior school yeah you know it was a it was a great year we were very proud of it it was. Um... You know, it was fun. It was, it was one of those deals, you know, when you when you ask for a challenge, you know, sometimes you get that. And that's kind of that's what our fall was like. So we ended up four and seven, which was the uh, winning a season since 2017 here at Fringe University. Um, you know, coming off, we were previously at Bethel College coming off back to back conference championships. So it's a little bit. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Um, as the head coach, the hardest part to manage was having, you know, the most success Friends has had in four or five years here. And then managing our own expectations of coming off back-to-back conference championship seasons and all that good stuff. And so uh, it was a, that was a very interesting thing, you know, to balance as the head coach when you're looking at that, right. And trying to remind ourselves of man, the, the man, just the progress we made over the course of the season, played a lot of young guys, got a lot of experience. And um, yeah, so that, that was kind of the fall. I think we were number one rush team in the country again, and, and we take great pride in that and, you know, winning those four games. And even more than that, you know, we were in three, we, you know how it is. You could have, should have, would have won. Um, you know, we went down the wire against Bethel, our previous team, um, had a shot. We had the ball, you know, with like two minutes left driving down the field with a chance to win and just did, came up short. Um, same thing against uh, the, the three-way conference championship. Those, all three of those teams, Southwestern, Bethel, and Avila, we had the ball on the last possession with a chance to tie or win. And so that's how close we came, you know, to – to being even better. And, you know, we were competing, you know, going toe to toe with the best teams in the conference. So coming from the rough history at Friends University, that was a, you know, more, more you know, moral victories aren't the, you know, how it is. you get tired of that sometimes, but it, that's a huge statement to how hard our kids work, the, the, the great job our staff did. And so, you know, I think it points to, you know, championship football in the future here. If that means next year, that's awesome. And if not, 
you can definitely see it coming, you know, um, as far as how we played in the fall. So it was a great fall. Now, now you also mentioned your weight room before we hit that question. And uh, we talked last time about how you bought in the Feed the Cats program at your prior school. Um, and like I, I and, and when I was scheduling this, I saw your strength staff tweeted out. I, I think they either talked to um, Tony Holler or they, they tweeted something out regarding Feed the Cats. And so I'm going to assume that your strength staff is fully bought into that belief and that's going and it has any of that. How has that approach been for not only your student athletes, but your new strength staff, their friends? Well, it's been really easy. So, you know, first of all, we have a phenomenal strength staff. Um, coach Belden is, is our head strength coach. I actually, co he was a high school coach in Wichita. So we knew each other as high school coaches. Um, and he's unquestionably the most knowledgeable guy that in the Wichita area as far as strength conditioning. So we're very lucky to have him here. Um, previously at Bethel, I had to do all the strength myself. So I was doing everything. Right. And so it was one of the benefits of being at French University is you have a full time strength coach who can develop you. Right. Um, but it, it is a little bit of a different idea to go to this idea of feed the cats, which is weird because it's not it's not a program. You know, feed, feed the cats is not a. It's not like, hey, you know, like 531 or bigger, faster, stronger. It's not a program. It's just more of a philosophy, right? And so anytime you have two people trying to marry that is a thing. So what's kind of funny is I kind of feel like I'm the one that needs to do better um, as far as in implementing that in our new program. And obviously in the spring, we are moving forward. What's very cool um, has been awesome. So we did, me and uh, Coach Belden and Tony Holler met. We did a Zoom um, just the other day. And, and just, you know, Tony was introducing some my thoughts and ideas to, to to Joe so that we could all kind of, instead of having a middleman piece this thing together. But what's crazy is so Coach Belton, he, um, he's really close friends with Cal Dietz, who's at the University of Minnesota, um, and Chris Corpus, who's a big RPR guy. We we had an RPR uh, certification on our campus. Um, we've had, we you know, in Cal Dietz, Minnesota. So anyway, all these guys that are connected to Tony and then go around and speak with them have already been on our campus. And so we have some mutual friends, right? Yeah. And so then what we were able to do with Joe was he was able to directly talk to Tony um, and kind of talk about what it could look like for us here. Um, and so, yeah, we are all in. And, and what we what we need to do better this spring is, um, number one, be very stubborn about record, rank, publish, right? Because that takes some discipline and that's hard yeah. to do, right? And we get busy. Uh, you don't want to do that. And so that's our big that's our big deal moving forward, right, is to make sure – Prioritize speed, prioritize speed, uh, speed over lifting uh, or strength development because it's all one and the same, right? And so anybody who follows that understands. And so that's our big deal um, this spring is we're going to go, you know, we're doubling down on it. And we, as a strength, as a football staff, we have to do a better job of supporting our strength staff because when you have 100 kids, 120 kids, you know, managing that in a weight room, it, you just can't do that alone, right? And so uh, Coach Belton and his GAs are phenomenal. And so we're working on how we're going to divvy that up. And most likely it will be the speed training side will be on our football staff to go out. Um, you know, Coach Belton will do the program, but we'll go out and we'll do the re we'll do the recording. And we'll make sure our guys are getting their times in and we'll make sure we get that put under our spreadsheets. And then the strength side will be then when the, when the strength staff takes over and does the strength development. So if we do that. Um, Man, we, we love that, that it will kind of fit that that model that Tony's created. Um, and so that, and, and then obviously, you know, like anything, I think part of Feed the Cats is the idea of having fun with kids and, and not, you know, yeah. you know, not hurting kids, right? And, and first priority is do no harm, right? And and, and, not, and so that's, um which we've always been that way. And it already jives our practice schedule is already, you know, in the season, we already use a Feed the Cats practice schedule and practice approach. Um, so quite honestly, it's just um, more than anything is uh, on my side is, being disciplined enough to make sure we are, you know, recording and, and, and publishing and ranking our guys uh, on the speed side. Okay. Now, now, I mean, you are entering year two. 
Um, so you've had a full, almost, oh, not a full year, but close to a full year at Friends. And obviously when, and I've had this talk with some high school coaches that have left really good programs and taken jobs that have historically struggled or that are not where it needs to be. And they talk about how they come in, try to do all the same things, and it's not necessarily the same. And is there anything you kind of learned or that you wanted to change from year one, year two? Like, obviously, you're familiar, like last time we talked, you're familiar with friends, you're familiar with the area. But Mm -hmm. is there anything that you're like, okay, this didn't work or this is not the right fit for here as you approach and evaluate things going into year two? Man, that's a that right there is a phenomenal question. And in my opinion, what separates good coaches from great coaches, um, because you're you're exactly right. Friends is not Bethel. You know, Bethel's not Wichita Heights High School, like that, which, and all the places I've been. Um, and so it's not, it's a different puzzle. So in my opinion, what makes a great coach is someone who can put together different puzzles and still have success. And so that's really, it's cool that you asked that because that's what we have been talking about as a staff. Um, you know, we essentially approached it the exact same as Bethel coming in in the spring, just knowing that, hey, we have a proven system and a plan. Let's do this. Um how we do everything. And then after the fall, we were able to, you know, we've been able to sit down like, man, is this best? Is this not? And so, you know, it's pretty interesting to ask that. And so we've talked about a lot of things. We, we, we go over everything from is the defensive schemes we're doing the best. Does it give us the best chance to win a championship uh, football offensively, you know, special teams, um, weight room stuff. Right. And, and that's kind of how the talking about getting with Tony and connecting with the strength staff that came from, man, we just need to do a better job of developing our guys. And so um, that's been, that's been some things we've done. I will tell you, this is the best for, Part of the attraction of friends was recruiting um, and being here in Wichita. And unless you see, unless you come and visit all these campuses, it's hard to under, it's hard to explain until you see it. And then everybody would be like, oh yeah, it makes sense. I would be at friends too. Um, but yeah, so recruiting's went, went phenomenally well. Um, and so what we are approaching right now is this idea of the, the biggest thing has been, so at, at our previous school, we didn't have any kid with a paid internship. Um, not out of, we're just in a smaller town, you know, a lot of these small colleges that are in rural towns on the division three, NAI and division two level, you know, kids aren't get having jobs. They don't, there's not even access to jobs or paid internships. Our biggest hurdle, um, and it's going to sound like that cliche, like turn a negative into a positive, but our biggest hurdle here is that our kids have so many paid internships. So our business measure, we had 14 paid internships and they're going out in the community. They're getting paid while they're in college. Um, um, while they're still on scholarship for football and they're having these internships, which are leading to full-time jobs. And so managing our schedule where kids have that opportunity because we don't have them, you know, like you hear about kids go to college, well, that coach owns you. Well, that's not true, number one, um, but it's definitely not true for us. And so we do have to manage our program in a way that allows for kids to have access to these outside opportunities here in Wichita. And we're right in the middle of downtown. And so that's been probably our biggest hurdle that we probably had to make the most adjustments um, which I don't even know if it means we change what we do necessarily, just being aware that, and these kids, there's opportunities outside of campus here that just don't exist anywhere else in our conference because everywhere else is in these smaller towns. And so um, that, that was a hurdle early on where I just, you know, I, I would just struggled like scheduling some things. Cause I was like, what do you mean you have this or that? And, you know, and we, just, and part of it was me just have, we just have to do better. We have to plan way further ahead so that kids can make plans um, because we still, we, we, we work championship hours and we put in championship time here and we have to do it around all those outside opportunities. Yeah, no, I get it coach. Now, like, I mean, but, I mean, let's be honest. I, I think even Deion Sanders said the other day, 95% of his kids will not play in the league. Yeah. I mean, 5%. 
So you need to figure out what are the other 95% going to do. When you're talking NAI, D2, D3, you're probably talking 99% of your kids aren't going or even getting a tryout. So you got to right. give them opportunities. And when you have a good business department, that's a, that's a good thing. I had a kid who I'd coached who really the reason he decided between the two NIAs he offered is one has a really good business program and internship program. That mm-hmm. stuff matters. Yeah. Um, but continuing from that, like also continue with that year one, year two, is there any, I'm just curious, is there any hiccups? Cause you, you're, you're, you guys are very good at running the flex bone. You rushed for over 3000 yards this year. Was there any hiccups here that you didn't have at um, your prior stop running the flex bone or anywhere else that you've been? Is there anything you're like, Oh, or does that change your mythology change? And like I said, there might be no, cause you guys, I mean, you have a really good staff that knows it, but I was just curious, do you have anything that was kind of hiccups or you didn't foresee as you kind of brought the flex bone to friends? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, it's weird. You know, I'm a little different than a lot of people. I mean, we've won so much, you know, at the high school level, won a bunch. And then, you know, at Bethel, it's kind of like here, when we came to friends, our kids were like, let's go. We just want to win, whatever that means, you know? Um, So there wasn't necessarily an issue with buying into a different scheme because it is different. I mean, that's just what it is. Right. And, Unfortunately, some people get offended by that, but it is different. And, and so that that wasn't really a hurdle necessarily, but it was it is unique, you know. And um, I think the coolest part for us is when we get on the field and practice, um, the biggest feedback we get from our players um, is that, number one, I get reps every day at practice, and I used to never get reps with the previous staff. Um, <laughs> and practice is fun. And so that's what I think sometimes when, when people watch games on Saturdays and they 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 boil football down to simply flex bone versus spread, I think that's what people lose sight in. It's like, well, what are, what are their kids week like? You know, what are their kids days like? And, um, you know, you, the, the question becomes, it doesn't matter. Well, it's not really, it doesn't even matter what scheme you run. It's are you getting your kids reps at practice? So the really cool part is when we recruit kids and they choose to come here, and we can 100% tell that co- high school coach, like, look, your kid is going to get reps every day at practice. He's going to get developed. Um, because what do you hear? As you're, as you're a high school kid and you're getting recruited to play um, college football, you hear, well, you're going to go be a practice dummy for a couple of years. And that's just not the case for us. And that is true in other places, by the way. Um, but we've worked really hard to develop a practice schedule. Well, that's not the case. And so the biggest feedback we get is that, or, hey, I, I thought it was going to be this coach, and it wasn't. You know, it was way more fun. And, you know, I got I felt like I got better. And, um, you know, they 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 had confidence going into a Saturday because they knew their job, knew their rules or, or whatever that is. And so, um, you know, we, we we wish we could have been better in four and seven. But like I told you, you know, we almost we went toe to toe with the three conference champions, uh, co-conference champions. When you do that, our, your kids see like, oh, man, look how close we are to being really good, right? And so that's how it kind of, that's how a program kind of builds over time. And so, you know, no, that 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 was the biggest, I don't know if hurdles the word, but, you know, the cool part is when you watch film and kids know the rules and they understand the scheme, they can self-diagnose problems. And, you know, what we don't have, and no no team, I've, I've really never been on a team or coached a team that had issues with with blaming, like, hey, defense or offense. Our kids understand our scheme so well they can watch film and know like, Hey man, I, that was me. You know, it wasn't, Hey, that wasn't a bad play call or this is a stupid offense. They can look and say, like, yeah, I missed that block or, Hey, that was a misread or blah, blah, blah. You know, they can, they can point their own problems and then that gives them something to work towards. Right. And to, to take ownership of, and that's, that's the challenge, right? No matter what scheme you run, that's the challenge. Can your kids know it so, so well and understand the nuances of your offense or defense so well that in the middle of a game or 
when reviewing a game, they can they can point at, hey, this is what I can do better to give us a better chance to win. And so I think that's what people are most surprised with. And, you know, our post games when we're doing, you know, people see us after the games, we're not, you know, win or lose. I, I walk around. We call it when we say BTF, we're talking about being big, tough Falcons. And, and after games, we walk around like a big, tough Falcon and win or lose. And, you know, we we own that and, and we just work to get better the next day. And that's kind of, you know, we always put the sun comes up or that's what I always tweet out. Hey, the sun came up, you know, after a tough loss, because, you know, in the end, it's never good enough. Right. And you look, look at teams win championships, conference championships or national championships. In the end, you got to get back to work the next day and, and you're always going to you know keep pushing forward. And that's kind of what we built our program on. And, you know, I think the way we practice even more so than the schemes we run kind of ties into that really well. Now, I mean, I know I, I I double checked our notes from last time, and I don't believe I asked you. I mean, of, of the flex bone plays, which, which one of them? And I should have asked you because I ask every run and shoot and flex bone guy this question, anyways. Uh, what is your favorite um, flex bone play? Like, does that well, so? Does it have to be like the one you call the most? Like the one yeah. you actually like genuinely enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that play action pass is my favorite. Uh, I love it. Um, and so I, everybody last that. I think I was asked that a couple of years ago on a deal. I love play action pass. We've won so many games off big play action passes and, you know, people lose sight of how explosive those plays are. Right. And so I know at our previous school, there were some, you know, I have some, I don't have many pictures up. I have a wall of fame in my garage. I have a big squat rack and I put pictures up of, you know, some moments in my career. And I think three of them are pictures of guys catching play action passes that were game changers for us. Um, and so that's, that's what I love because it's so fun because you, you know, you've been pounding it down somebody's throat and running the ball and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, you, you, you pop a big play action pass and, you know, the sideline kind of goes nuts and you can hear people in the bleachers going crazy. And so that's, that's always the fun. As you can see the D coordinator throw his headset down, like my goodness, you know? And so anyway, that's, that's my favorite, um, because I think it's fun and exciting and we try, we work really hard at, at taking advantage of the the space in the passing game. So that's what I would say is my favorite like like you mentioned I don't know if we run it the most we, we probably throw more than any other flexible school in the country but definitely not you know relatively we're gonna run the ball more for sure well, well let's build off that like so so what is your mythology of carrying those from game to game how many play action passes do you try to carry just on average like I said I know it's not a perfect science and then mm-hmm. what is your mythology on calling it because obviously you want them sucked in the run to call it but everybody's looking for different things what is so how does that approach work for play action passing and, and kind of your offense. I know you mentioned the R, some of the R4 stuff last time that we talked, um, but how, how do you approach play action passing um, and what you do from week to week? Yeah, that's a, you know, we, we have a set, we have, you know, I forget how many schemes we carry, but in the seven-ish range of, of different type of schemes that have the rhythm read, blah, blah, all the R4 stuff, right? Um, but, you know, the, that that's the interesting part. You know, it's it really is. I think there's, in, in when you're a run the ball, first pro team um, there there's definitely a it's a feel thing in my opinion and um, getting a feel for you know when is the right time um, how is this how's this player playing because it's not just a coverage issue you know it's it's a how aggressive is that particular kid right you know and so then it becomes a personnel like which safety can you take advantage of which corner has dirty eyes and you know that that's how that's how we kind of approach it and you know we have guys assigned to that watching guys on the field like hey you know it might be time, it might be time, or, hey, this space, they're giving us this space type of deal. And um, and then we always lean on our players a lot. You know, that was what uh, – we actually have a kid who played receiver's horse. His name was Tanner Galliard at Bethel, but he was number eight for people that watched us then, big, big, good receiver who had a bunch of touchdown catches. He was really good about that as a player, man. He'd come off and be like, 
coaches, he got dirty eyes, like it might be time and never in a way of wanting the ball, just in a way he wanted to win and he was a warrior. Um, and so it will be cool to have him mentor some of our guys on, on what that's like and, you know, how to, you know, how to use body language and, you know, all the stuff you do in the run game to then take advantage of him, throw a pass and kind of be a little more deceptive. So that's kind of, I mean, that's, it's not the best answer, but you know, it is, man, guys start stacking the box and you absolutely have to be able to complete a pass. I mean, you have to, like, that's what's, I'm not knocking anyone, you know, but you know, you watch, you watch some games and it's like, you know, some of the years, the army Navy game, it's like they refuse to throw the ball and it's, you know, not knocking those guys. Those are great coaches, but you know, you're crazy not to, learn from that you know sometimes the people in the stands are right when it's like might be time to throw it you know so yeah not the it. best answer but it's real no no it's true and like it likes it's i mean again some of it is you're listening to your players some is you're listening to your coaches like it kind of and to your point it's also a feel thing like it's also what you're seeing and it kind of varies on and you and you, we've talked you don't know necessarily what front you're going to see week to week yeah. Like, I mean, you probably have a little bit of an idea because you've played enough of these teams. Yeah. Um. Oh, I'll ask you that question because while I was on it, how did I mean it's the same league, just different school? Did any right. of the schools play you differently now that you were friends? Did you see anything in new approaches, or did everybody just say, "Hey, we're just gonna, hey, same coach, same scheme, we're just gonna yeah. play the same"? Uh most of them. It, it was different. We got a lot of this year. You know, my understanding is there was a big powwow in our conference and they all talked about defending the flex bone. And so the people that attended that powwow gave us the same front. You know what I mean? So <laughs> they better not do that next year. I'll leave it at that. But um, anyway, yeah, so there was some similar fronts, you know, and uh, th that we got and some teams did a few different things. But, you know, I mean, in the end, you can only run so many fronts, you know, a lot of bare front, which is fine. I mean, no one ran a front. We didn't ever come back on a Sunday and be like, oh man, they got us. It, it was an execution deal, you know, which is what we get ready. We just didn't, or or maybe weren't fast enough at a position, or maybe we misread something. You know, we didn't we didn't come in on any Sunday and be like, oh, you know, they got us and they got that defense. You know, they have the flexbone defense. The defense doesn't exist, you know. Um, it really comes down to execution. And so the games we struggled, we just out executed or outmanned, you know. Um especially early. We had one game, we won our first game and then we got, you know, we got beat up pretty good the second game. And I just, that was more of a tribute. We just weren't ready for that success yet. You know, we went down and had that great off season and went and beat a, a non-conference opponent in Oklahoma and Panhandle state that probably no one thought we had a chance to win. So that was a great way to start the year, but it was also a little bit like, Oh, you know, like, here we go. We've arrived, you know, type of deal. So we had to fight that, you know, handling success sometimes is just as hard as handling you know, adversity, maybe even harder. And so, yeah, that, that that's what we got, though. But different fronts, you know, two years ago, everybody ran like a 5-1-5 or a three-safety odd stack type of deal. Yeah. That's what everybody ran every week. And I think people got tired of that. Um, we were scoring a lot of points. And then, you know, now it's a lot of 4-3 and a lot of 50, you know, is pretty much what we're getting in different variations of that. So, you know, again, it's not groundbreaking stuff. It's, it's, not, it's fine. You know, it's just nothing that's confusing by any means. It just comes down to an execution deal for us. Now, did that – now, obviously, did that with them all running essentially the same defense after their little powwow, did that – once you kind of saw that riding at the wall maybe after two games, did that make that um, game planning-wise or practice-wise easier for you? 
I mean, yes and no. It just gives you a little bit of hinkling like, hey, maybe we better do a little more of this because this, we're going to get the same thing. The, the hard part is what we do. We try to prepare for every front every day to where we never get confused. Yeah. The hardest part is to fight that urge when you know what you're going to get, but we still practice every front, you know. And so, you know, that's the hardest part. And so, you know, there, there's um, – no one tricked us. I'll just leave it at that. No one tricked us. No one did anything special. There's not a there's not a flex bone defense, just like there's not a spread defense, just like there's not an air raid defense or a zone defense. There's just not. Um, we were we were out executed at times, and and we the games that we struggled were us issues, personnel issues, not um not scheme issues. And so the cool part is it it gives us something to fix, right? And our kids did a really good job. Um, of uh you know fixing that and that's why we we had a shot to beat the three the three teams that tied. we had the ball to win the last possession of every game against every game against the three time the three way conference champion so you know I think our kids did great with that so you know we need to you know we need you know like you talked about we just got to develop our guys and that's fine we were really young played a lot of young cats and that will pay off over time and you know the hardest part probably if I'm being very honest was you know we were at year one running the flex bonus friends with our kids. And the defensive coordinators were year, year five defending it. So they might have been a little ahead of the curve, you know, because our kids were in their first year running, but everybody else yeah. had been defending yeah. us at Bethel for five years. So there might have been something to that. You know, there's so much turnover, so much turn, turnover in coaching staffs and players now in college football. I don't know if I buy into that as much as, you know, other people yeah. might. So I get it. Now, I, I do want to ask you because I'm assuming you run midline. Um, and that's my, that's my personal favorite of them. And I did, and I want to ask you how, uh, one, how do you approach installing midline? And then two, is there any like little tips or anything for somebody installing midline that people might miss? A uh, mid double or mid triple or both? Uh, start with mid double and then we'll see if we uh, have time. we'll go mid triple. Mid double. The, that's been harder in, in high school, man. We used to light people up running midline double. I mean, it was uh, probably my, you know, one of our top explosive plays, um, the hardest part, you really, we have to work really hard on our tackle and not getting B gap really can, you know, really um, uh, condensed down people, you know, that DN bench pressing your tackle in the B back. That's been our biggest issue on the college level. Um, and, and some of that's been compounded by when we play even fronts, when we are really thinking a lot of mid double um, it's been harder against even fronts because, some teams that have struggled to defend us, they just pinch their DNs the whole game. So they're not really, they're not teaching their kids how to defend a veer block or a reach block or a toss or anything like that. They're just saying pinch B gap. Well, when you have a tackle trying to block that guy out, that's really tough because he's already pinching in there, you know? And so I would say that's probably the biggest thing um, in college. We felt a little bit, you know, slots can't insert and cut those linebackers anymore. So that's made bid double insert a little tougher, you know? Um, yeah arguably really good. I like the space of an odd fronts when you're running mid double to odd fronts. Love it. It gives you a little more space to an even front. Your tackle don't have to worry about, you know, cause he's getting out to an overhang or something like that and not having to worry about man handling a big D end out, which in our conference, we have a bunch. Um, yeah. And then mid triple, it, it's really all about the motion, right? You, you got to be late and fast. And if you, if you twirl out of your motion too quickly, it's a, you know, it's a pretty much, it's a deal where you're giving some eye indicators to, um, to the defense, right? And so then you have to, you know, manipulate them in the passing game. You know, sometimes in the passing game, you do want to rock out of that mid-twirl early because make them think mid-triple and then you throw it over the top, you know. Um, you know, but that's it, you know, and then getting your quarterback, 
you just got to really whoever your quarterback coach is is really repping that you know that mid triple that happens so fast because that handoff key pitch gear right on top of each other you know and so that that's the that's the hard part but man what we have found if, if you can get a defense if you can get that ball pitched on the perimeter man midline it's really tough you know it's really tough to defend uh for other teams and if, and if you can run a little bit at the slot position it makes it real hard and um, you're making those inside backers have to tackle the ball on the perimeter, which then obviously allows for some, you know, inside run game. Okay. Now, perfect. Like I said, that was always like the year I was part of a triple. That's the play I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's awesome. You know? Yeah. yeah. If people are doing that stuff from the gun too, it's, it's good stuff. It's yeah. the, that's the thing. I think, I don't know if below the waist stuff has affected football as much as people lead on other than like those mid dump when your slots are inserting on inside backers, man, it was so fun to watch, you know, Watch those guys. <laughs> Go get some, you know, because those linebackers, it did slow those linebackers down a little bit more. I will say that for sure. Yeah. You you ran for 3,000 yards this year, um, had a good first year. Um, is there and, – and we kind of talked about changes, but how are you – I mean, is anything – what? and I'm just curious, after going through it for a year, like every year you're looking to improve stuff, is there – and after doing a full year at the school – is there anything you're looking to change your install wise or drill wise to improve? Are you reaching out to anybody for ideas, suggestions? Like there's always change. And obviously like the changes with what you can do below the waist has affected mm-hmm. a little bit of the scheme, like not much. I mean, I, like I said, I think to your point, it's been overly exaggerated on how much the blocking below the waist has hurt you. Uh, mm-hmm. Flexible teams. I mean, yes, it hurts the midline stuff a little bit, but it doesn't really affect truly really inside and outside veer a whole lot. If you're one of those uh, triple teams that run a lot of belly, it doesn't run, affect belly, doesn't affect your play action passing game. So is there anything, like as you're reviewing last year, or I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way, is there something that you, a wrinkle or something that you want to run more or just it, just in general as you kind of f- finish your evaluation from last year? Yeah, it's just good stuff. Well, that's that's right. That's the mark of good teams, right? Um, good coaching staffs, right, is – end of season evaluation and you know what what we do is we find any play that didn't go for four yards or more and okay what was the breakdown you know and so then the question becomes was it a technique issue um which honestly that was I'm the O-line coach right and I love my guys we had a kid end up being an honorable mention all-american this year and he didn't even get to play the year before so if you want to I think that's a pretty interesting uh deal for an undersized O-lineman who became an honorable mention all-american and he was a rotator or barely played for the previous staff so anyway um so then it becomes down to an evaluation. Uh, sorry, you, you you evaluate what didn't go plus four, and was it a scheme issue, or did, you know, was it a bad play call, or like maybe not the best play to a first front, or was it a, a technique issue? And so that's what we do. Um, and like any coach, you know, what happens is it's it's always tempting to find a, you know, hey, well, man, this is just so hard. This is just play or whatever, you know. But generally, it's a, you know, a tackle missed a whiffed, you know, like, Hey, you fell on your face and you didn't block this guy or something, you know, it's always that that's what we try to tend to find is it's generally um, technique issues, which cause plays to fail as opposed to needing to add plays. Um, so then what we do is find, okay, when you have a cluster of, Hey, we had a whole lot of, you know, missteps of the right tackle position. That's what hurt us. Well, then we know when we get to do group work in the spring, that's what we're really going to harp on is footwork for these old linemen. You know, maybe it's pad level or maybe it's, you know, up and over steps so that we're not turned so much, which allows defensive ends to penetrate, you know, whatever it's going to be. That's what we focus on. And that's where we've seen our biggest improvements from over the years, it, you know, because you do build on our kids are tough here. They play extremely hard. They have a high desire to succeed and win. Um, 
but sometimes the limiting factor is the technique and that that becomes pointed at yourself as a coach so we never we just don't accept kid blaming i mean i've always been that way um for a lot of different reasons but it's never we say even if it is the kid's fault right sometimes it is but we always say look it's never the kid's fault this is a bad coaching issue so if i have all these issues that have prevented plays from being great plays how can I fix that as a coach? And then it allows position coaches to go out and address those fundamental issues. And so, man, when you do that, it, you just get better, you know, and as crazy as that sounds. And so it's not really a scheme thing. What we do as a scheme is we say, Hey, we do like this player. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're going to be more of an inside beer team because of X, Y, Z this year, where maybe this year we like jet sweep as opposed to rocket toss or, Hey, our receivers have some speed, but maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're not good underneath route guy. I don't know, you know, pick your, whatever the, whatever the thing is. Um, but then we always are trying to adjust our scheme to fit our best players. And so when you do that, so when you own it as a coaching staff and say, Hey, I'm going to coach the details and I'm going to fix the fundamental issues. And then you build your scheme around the strengths of your players, man, what we found is you, you really don't need that many schemes. You just need to get really good at what you do. Okay. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end it coach. So um, coaches make sure you obviously follow coach on Twitter um and follow their program if you got any kids obviously send them his way um uh like share subscribe check out our sponsor coach pad all that lovely jazz um otherwise that is another episode of the gap down backer podcast